Hello, folks. You're going to enjoy the show. We're going to talk about this lawsuit filed on uh, September 21, 2022, the state of New York versus Donald Trump and uh, his whole family and all his corporations. You're going to love the show. It's going to be great. You're going to be extremely knowledgeable about this very big multi-million dollar lawsuit after watching today's show. All right, good to see you folks. I, uh, as always, I love having you back and uh, it, it's always a pleasure. I wanna start with this like funny, uh, funny could have been really, really tragic story. So this woman in Colorado, in North Colorado, she, uh, there's some sort of telephone call to 911, someone saying, you know, there's like an altercation, like some sort of road rage, maybe somebody had a gun, you know, something like that. So the police go out there to investigate, and then they detain this woman, 20-year-old woman, um, you know, thinking that she caused the alter altercation, or maybe she had the gun or whatever, maybe she was drunk, they, you know, it, it's not clear because, uh, you know, the police are like hush-hush about it now. So what they do is they throw her in the back of the police car, okay? One big problem, they forgot that the police car was on the railroad tracks. Yeah, <laughs> dang it, I mean, I've parked in front of a fire hydrant one time and I felt like a real idiot because I could have gotten a ticket, <laughs> right? These police officers left the police car on the train tracks. And then to make it worse, they uh, put the detainee in the back of the police car on the uh, police on the train tracks. And then they go and they investigate the, the story, you know, freaking order donuts, whatever the hell they were doing, okay? And then, sure enough, you know what happens on the train tracks once in a while? Okay, train comes, and it hit her while she was in the police car. She has major injuries. Major injuries. <laughs> All right. She has major injuries. The uh, Thankfully, the train didn't derail, and, you know, she's expected to survive. And, uh, my gosh, how could the police do that? Um she needs a lawyer, feel free to run it by my lawyer. <laughs> I'll find a way. I'll, I'll uh, move to Colorado because that is what we call in law a really good case. <laughs> okay. Now, the topic of today. So the New York Attorney General's office filed this ginormous lawsuit against Donald Trump, Eric Trump, Ivanka Trump, uh, you know, and, and all these other entities, you know, all the corporate entities that they own, right? Uh, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them, like the big ones, okay? And uh, this is, the reason why this is so important is that this is millions and millions of dollars of New York State taxpayer dollars, okay? And I'm just going to come out and say it, that the New York Attorney General's office is a freaking disaster, okay? they The, the office is corrupt. They do not know what they're doing, all right? Either they don't know what they're doing or they're just corrupt and they have their head in the sand. I don't know. Um, I don't think they have their head in the sand, so maybe they're corrupt or, you know, maybe they're not corrupt. They're just, they just don't know what they're doing and I'm gonna explain why, okay? So here we go. Uh, what is going on here? And and uh, and they take, <laughs> they interviewed 
dozens and dozens of people, okay? And in the legal process, when you interview witnesses, uh, it's very complicated and it's not something where you just call them on the phone. You have to coordinate with their lawyers. Sometimes they object. Sometimes there's recording, uh, like a, like a, like a, either a deposition or recorded statement. And, uh, this is like detailed accounts. So they had dozens of lawyers working on this. They had tons of accountants working on this. They had uh, different officers working on this case, okay? And, uh, you know, and then they said, we had to review millions and millions of pages of documents, okay? Meaning uh, they had people, you know, lawyers, and, and lawyers have to read every single page of those documents. Okay, so let me get to the gist of the lawsuit. All right, the... What they're saying, this, oh, and by the way, this is the lawsuit, freaking 220 pages, okay? What the state of New York is saying is that for several years, Donald Trump and the Trump organizations, they overstated their assets, okay? They overstated the value of their assets, I should say, meaning like if, you know, whatever, this pen is worth 10 cents and I say it's worth $2, all right? I am overstating the asset. Now, why would anyone overstate their asset? Theoretically, they're saying, you know, so that they could get uh, loans from banks and, you know, get better insurance premiums and, you know, things like that. All right. And uh, now we're going to go over it. I mean, that was just the, the little version. And then the complexity here and the interesting part is now we go into the details. OK, so one of the things that they're saying in this lawsuit, for example, is let's start with this. The Mr. Trump's triplex apartment in uh, New York, triplex, that means three levels. He stated to the uh, Deutsche Bank. He stated that it is 30,000 square feet, all right? Now, why is that a big deal? Be the, the New York is saying is that, well, it's only 11,000 square feet, all right? Now, I don't get this. What he was doing uh, in terms of this, this uh, his, his little apartment or whatnot, at some point, he was refinancing a, a loan, all right, and uh, and so he states that when he refinanced this loan, you know, like I said, he said, oh, yeah, it's 30,000 square feet, but it's really 11,000 square feet they're saying. Now, I I recall one time I refinanced this, uh, like at a condo or something, right, and it was worth very little, okay, and the bank hired an appraiser. The appraiser comes out, and I had to pay for it, and the guy was measuring every room. He was measuring the freaking bathrooms, the closets, okay? And I'm like, what else would you like to measure, bro? Okay, <laughs> all right, because he's measuring everything. So what I don't understand is why does the state of New York care what he said is the square footage in his apartment, okay? Uh, it's up to the bank. If they're gonna freaking measure every little newton cranny of Joe Samos, they might as well just measure that. Like, oh, what do we care? All right. Um, now, here we go. And then the other things, uh, the major things that they're saying is, is that Donald Trump would file these financial statements and then the financial statements to the banks and the insurance companies. And what they're doing, supposedly, and, and I, and I, you know, they, they're probably right. I don't necessarily disagree, you know. They're saying that the accounting, you know, uh, accounting is very funny, um, you know, because accounting can, you could, uh, you could, you know, say a lot, like, for example, if, 
if you're using what's called the accrual method of accounting, you know, let's say that whatever, let's say I own this little studio, right? And, and then I want to get a loan. And uh, the way I kind of appraise the value of the studio is I say, well, I anticipate that in the next five years, you know, whatever, we're going to rent it for $12,000 a month. And based on that, then, you know, if I use a capitalization rate of, you know, whatever, uh, 8% or something high, it, right, then this thing is worth a million bucks, okay? So, Obviously, well, maybe I'm not going to get that much in rent later. Maybe, you know, uh, somebody won't pay like 10 times the value. Maybe someone will only pay like four times the value of the annual rent or whatever, right? So there's a lot of flexibility with the accounting. So what they're saying is when he was filing these financial statements, he like overdid it. And he over overdid it to the point where, you know, um, nobody would justify those type of numbers. All right. Now... What I want to know is why do they care? Okay, so, all right. So he, the the state of New York, this is the remedies that they are seeking, all right? Like I said before, in, in law, there's a thing called remedies, okay? And the remedies they're saying is cancellation of any certificate filed under the, you know, New York general business law. They're asking that they replace the trustees in the Donald Trump revocable trust. They're asking that, uh, Donald Trump and the Trump Organization no longer do business in New York. They're asking uh, that, let's see. Yeah, <laughs> I just, oh, and then they're saying later, it's like, well, if they made money from this, they want them to be disgorged, the money that they made, okay? So now we're going to get into some more nitty-gritty here. It, it's, uh, I, I think to me, Maybe I'm the only one that finds these things so interesting. Like, I had to read this a few times, all right? Like, they go through tons and tons of pages of this accounting, all right? Now, I want to show you something very important. In one of the, the assets, all right, is, uh, yeah, okay, so 40 Wall Street. Okay, so Donald Trump owns a building in Wall Street, all right? And um, it's a little it's a little confusing. Like, he owns the building, but he doesn't own the land. So he has to like pay a land lease and blah, blah, blah. Like I won't bug you with those kind of specifics, right? So he owns his building and at some point, all right, he go, he wants to refinance the building, okay? Now, when he wants to refinance it, Capital One, which this is the state of New York saying, Capital One, which held a $160 million mortgage on the property at the time, uh, raised substantial concerns about the cash flow at the property as far back as the year 2009. Okay, and then they had to meet with Donald Trump. They had to do this. They had to do that. Okay, these discussions led to a loan modification executed in 2010 that attached the Trump Organization's own 2010 budget for the property. The 2010 budget, you know, was projected to be over 4.4 million. It later states that. Um, all right. So what happened is Donald Trump had a $160 million mortgage on this uh, property. And he wanted to refinance it, which he did in 2010. But to refinance it, he gave all these statements to Capital One, meaning, oh, I think I'm going to get this much money in rent from this building. I think my other assets are worth this much. I think that the property you're going to, uh, you know, take collateral on is worth this much money. Okay. So that's what he uh, stated to Capital One. Now, the New York Attorney General's office is spending millions of dollars now coming back and saying, well, what he represented to Capital One was a little too high, like the assets were too high, okay? Here's the deal, okay? 
when Joe Samo, all right, when I'm, you know, five minutes late to, to pay a $10 credit card bill to Capital One, they have the fucking CEO in my office, all right? They got the freaking secretary in my kitchen coming after their $5. So Capital One can fend for themselves, all right? So my belief is that if Capital One didn't realize the asset value of what the Donald Trump was estimating, like, who cares? Like, let Capital One sue him, <laughs> all right? And they're not even suing him. Like, it's like, what is the state of New York doing here? And the reason why that's this is important is because sooner or later, they have to, if they want to actually win this case, they have to prove this to a jury. And there's going to be a very good lawyer uh, in the Donald Trump's office that's going to say to the jury, jury, Capital One is worth tons and tons and tons of billions of dollars. They uh, lent the money. They got this lien on this property. They got, you know, collateral elsewheres. All right. They looked at all the financial records. They know who the tenants were. They know what the money was making. They charged interest. They made a shitload of money. They have their own accountants. They're big shots. That's Capital One, you know? Um, and this is, I, when Joe Samuel was five minutes late on a credit card payment, we're there, okay? So I, I don't know why a jury is going to then say, oh my God, he defrauded them, okay? And they're not even the ones that are complaining, do you see what I'm saying? So this is just, uh, it is, doesn't not make sense. Okay. So other than the attorney general's office doesn't know what they're doing or that they're just trying to go after Donald Trump. Okay. Look, a lot of people don't like his politics, right? It's like, okay, fine. But why are they going after it? Like, what is the real reason here? Is it like, <laughs> this is not a good case. All right. Now it goes on. There's a lot more. Okay. Uh, at one point, let's see. Here we go. It is, it's like, it was easy to read all of this because I, it's like, you know what they say, reading fiction is easy. So reading this was easy for me. <laughs> all right. Um, Here's another thing that they said. Uh, when Donald Trump goes to Deutsche Bank and, and got all these loans from Deutsche Bank, one of the things he said to them was uh, in his Scotland golf course. So Donald Trump owns this golf course in Scotland, right? He's like, well, it's worth, you know, uh, X amount of dollars, or I should say X amount of pounds, right? We're dealing in the, in the British currency here. So it's worth X amount of pounds. And uh, one of the reasons this why it's worth so much is, you know, we, uh, we, we feel we could build 2,500 homes in this little area. And then the new, okay, this is happening in Scotland, by the way. And then the New York State Attorney's Office then comes back and says, well, we researched the law and only 1,500 apartments were allowed to be built in that area. Okay, Deutsche Bank, if that was the law, uh, it was easily recognizable by Deutsche Bank. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Like, and who cares about Deutsche Bank? And who cares about what's going on in Scotland? How are they going to be able to convince a jury in New York that this is something uh, that, is, you know, like the, the, the New York jurors are going to be like, what the fuck? What just got to do with us, man? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay, let's see. 
Um, it's pretty crazy. I know. All right. Uh, here, this is another one. For example, in 2016, the Trump Organization valued 40 Wall Street at uh, $800 million by multiplying the total square footage of the building by the price per square foot of $700. I'm rounding off numbers. This price reflected a massive premium over the $450 uh, used a year earlier by Cushman in the 2015 appraisal. All right. For capital or for ladder capital. Okay. What are we discussing here? In in this one, so later that building in 2016, right, um, there was another refinance. A lot of times with financing, like in these big corporations, they'll borrow like a few hundred million dollars and several years later they'll like, it's funny, it's like they just reborrow the same money. It's called refinance. Or maybe they get a different bank to buy out the first bank's loan and then have a new loan on it, right? So according to the New York State uh, the attorney general's office, they're saying, okay, so Donald Trump's organization valued this at um, about, let's say, $700 per square foot, okay? Uh, but it, that's way more than what it sold for or what it was appraised for a year earlier. Instead of $800, what it was appraised at, let's say, f- rounding off at $450, Okay. <laughs> What? So what? Like, so, you know, there's a, like I said, there's a lot of like wiggle room. So their case is bad in the sense that there's a lot of wiggle room here. Uh, And then the other part of the case being bad is the, who's the victim, right? Uh, Ladder capital in this, actually, yeah. um, Yeah. Ladder capital. I I looked up ladder capital, L-A-D-D-E-R. They're a publicly traded corporation. They have billions and billions of dollars in assets. They, uh, if you know, they pride themselves on being the big shots and the big wigs, and they know, you know, they could, they know finances, right? So, how are we going to sell to the jury one that this appraisal was so bad? That it was fraudulent, you know, because appraisals, there's a lot of wiggle room. And then how are we going to convince anybody that ladder capital is a victim, right? Because they're like big shots. It's not like he's he's borrowing money from, you know, Joe Samo, <laughs> right? Or someone that's like unsophisticated person. All right. So the next order of business. Okay. So there's like very specifics about this Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank is a bank in Germany, right? (laughs) And I didn't research all their history because one, I don't care about them, okay? And two, I still don't care about them, all right? So anyway, here's the deal. All I uh, need to know is they are sophisticated and they are worth billions of dollars, okay? So here we go. The financial relationship between Deutsche Bank and the Trump Organization dates back to the 90s and involved multiple loans for hundreds of millions of dollars in total. At the start of 2011, the Trump Organization had a single outstanding loan held by Deutsche Bank on Trump Chicago. That's the building he has in Chicago with just over $140 million outstanding, right? Now what they're going to go on and say, uh, or they said it earlier in this complaint, is that he overvalued Trump Chicago when he got the loan, you know, for $140 million from Deutsche Bank, okay? By the way, I, I remember this one lawyer. He's a good buddy of mine. His name is Mark. All right, if you're listening, Mark, I don't want to say his last name here, but he used to always, what was he say? Oh, he used to say, 
Um, oh, NMP, <laughs> right? This is NMP, uh, not MP. Yeah, that's what he say. Say, this is NMP, not MP. What he meant was, this is not my problem, as opposed to my problem, <laughs> right? So if Deutsche Bank lent this guy $140 million back then, okay, that is not my problem. All right, and that was in 2011. Now, and this is after they had a long-term relationship with Donald Trump. Okay, starting in 2011, the relationship with Deutsche Bank was revitalized when Mr. Trump and the Trump Organization initiated a relationship with bankers in the private wealth management division of Deutsche Bank. Wow, Deutsche Bank is so big. They have a department that's called private wealth management. Uh, I could give them my cell phone number if they want to call me, please. <laughs> How do I get in that group? Um, which enabled them to obtain more favorable terms, okay? In essence, rather than obtain credit facilities through the wing of Deutsche Bank with an, with an expertise in commercial real estate, Mr. Trump began to seek funds from a wing of Deutsche Bank focused on servicing ultra-wealthy clients, Okay, more, I don't give a crap, right? Between 2011 and 2022, that's 11 freaking years, Deutsche Bank served as the single, the largest single lender to the Trump Organization. At the beginning of May 2022, the Trump Organization owed the bank approximately $340 million in principal and was spending tens of million dollars annually to service the debt. These loans, which originated by Deutsche Bank, consisted of a hundred million, $170 million facility, blah, 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 $125 million loan, uh, $45 million, you know, lending on Trump, Chicago. All right. So what's the problem here? <laughs> this is all between Deutsche Bank and Donald Trump. All right. This whole lawsuit, spending millions of dollars, is all over the following. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? Is everyone cool? Uh, the whole lawsuit is, um, that he was able, in essence, trick Deutsche Bank, I guess, and get all these loans and put up all this collateral and he tricked them by overstating the value of the assets. By the way, Trump building in Chicago Anybody can go there, right? You can see it. I had friends that took pictures in front of it. It's actually a nice looking building, I think, right? And so what? So don't they know what the value is or don't they have their own appraisers, which they do? Like I said, when Joe Samuel wanted to refinance a tiny little condo, I had some freaking jerk out there, you know, measuring the size of the toilet and, and all that. And then how many sinks do you have? I don't freaking know, dude. Okay. Uh, so they have their own appraisers. Thank you very much. So this is what the jury's going to ask, right? This is what the lawyers for the Trump organization is going to ask, all right? Uh, okay, so let's see. <laughs> da, 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 da. Page one. Oh, yeah, 159 here. Deutsche Bank loan issued in connection with Trump Chicago 2012. Today, it's 2022. Uh, the New York State office is going over these loans, this one in particular, that was made 10 years ago. All right. Uh, and by the way, after that loan that was made 10 years ago, Deutsche Bank still lent money to Donald Trump. <laughs> All right. So what's the problem? Maybe they didn't care. Maybe they, they knew that hey, most of it would pay back. Maybe it was just 
you know, public relations so they could say we finance them and then, then they could get more customers in the United States. Who the fudge knows, right? Who the fudge cares, <laughs> right? All right. Uh, let me let me keep going here because the fiction continues. Okay. 40 Wall Street loan issued by Ladder Capital. Again, our friends Ladder Capital. In approximately November 2015, the Trump Organization uh, refinanced an existing $160 million mortgage from Capital One. Uh, and then the loan from Capital One had an interest rate of 5.7 and required a principal payment of whatever. In January 15, after consulting with Eric Trump, Alan Weisselberg wrote to the Capital One asking the bank to waive the principal amount, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, and then Capital One, which internally valued the building at roughly 260, declined to waive the principal payment. Uh, Mr. Weisselberg then began working with his son. Who the fudge cares? Okay, uh, it goes on and on. And then say, okay, so this new mortgage was issued by Ladder Capital. So what happened in in uh, 2015? Right? Yeah. What happened in 2015 is then they uh, they convince a new bank to buy the loan of Capital One, right? Okay, big effing deal, right? Uh, and then the new mortgage was issued by Ladder Capital Finance and subsequently securitized pursuant to agreements between Lateral Capital and a number of banks. The loan required Mr. Trump to maintain a net worth of at least 60 million and liquidity of 15 million. Da, 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 next paragraph. In connection with this refinancing loan, uh, Cushman performed an appraisal of the Trump's organization's leasehold interest, okay? Whatever. <laughs> All right. That's it. This is the lawsuit. Are you guys kidding me? All right. Next one. Um, there's a, a Seven Springs. This is some sort of like super nice property in Washington, D.C. area. Okay. Uh, Seven Springs loan issued by Royal Bank America and Byron Marr Bank. All right. These are two banks that I don't care about, and I don't know why, but here we go. In the year 2000, all right, uh, Seven Springs LLC, which is one of the Trump uh, entities, took out approximately $8 million mortgage from Royal Bank of America, later acquired by Byron Marr Bank in 2017. Uh, Donald Trump personally guaranteed the mortgage. Mr. Trump's statements of financial conditions were submitted to these banks on multiple occasions in connection with the this particular mortgage. A 2011 credit memo records that the financial statement was compiled annually with a June 30 date. All right, next paragraph, the memo. Didn't you get that memo? Hey, trivia, what movie is that from? Didn't you get that memo? Put it in the comments. Uh, the memo states that because of the personal financial strength of Mr. Trump, as evidence of a liquid assets of $400 million or whatever, a net worth of $5 billion, supposedly, Royal Bank America previously waived the requirement of personal tax returns. Okay, so what happened was Donald Trump was saying, hey, this, this property is worth this much, this property is worth that much. So Royal Bank said, man, we are so impressed, Mr. Trump, that we don't want to look at your personal finance records. Uh, you know, your personal income tax statements. All right, who cares? By the way, that's the bank's call. All right, if I called the bank and be like, hey, can you freaking float me for lunch tomorrow? Just, you know, can you just lend me money for lunch tomorrow? The bank will be like, uh, can we look at your tax returns? Can we look at your freaking urine samples? Can we uh, interview 5,000 people that know you? Hey, <laughs> that's fine, right? Uh, that's the bank's prerogative. So I don't think a jury is going to be that effing concerned about this bank, right? Okay, 
another 2014 credit review document notes that the primary shortfall of the loan was a lack of capital cash flow. Indeed, the bank retained its files, Mr. Trump's statements, blah, 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 for all these past years. Okay, once again, all nonsense here. Da, 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 da. Now, I saved the best, okay? <laughs> In terms of my favorite one. Okay, this one, all right, I'm going to have a disclaimer here that I am not joking, <laughs> all right, right now. This is actually a real lawsuit by the state of New York. Insurance fraud against surety underwriters. The Trump Organization submitted Mr. Trump's statements of financial conditions to insurers and its insurance broker by allowing underwriters only to review a copy of the statements at Mr. Trump's offices. One of those insurers was Zurich North American Insurance Company. From 2007 to 2021, Zurich Insurance underwrote a ton of insurance policies, okay? So, uh, next, next pair, or most of the bonds were statutorily required by Trump's organization, um, such as liquor license bonds, uh, golf course bonds. By the way, you know what that means? That means the Trump organizations to operate, they had to have insurance, certain types of insurances in some places, which gives even more leverage for the insurance companies, right? Because they know that he need, like he has to have that insurance to operate, right? Uh, over the course of the surety program, based on financial disclosures made by the Trump Organization, Zurich agreed to increasingly more favorable terms, periodically increasing the limits and decreasing the premium rates. For example, in 2011, the surety program had a single bond limit of $500,000 uh, at the rate of $20 per thousand, $20 per $1,000. When the security program was canceled in 2021, the single bond limit was $6 million and the aggregate limit was $20 million at the rate of $10 per thousand. So they increased the limits and they decreased the price. So what? <laughs> right? This was Zurich. Okay, but Zurich Insurance, anyone, uh, you guys worried about them? Okay. <laughs> you know what they have a lot of? What do they have a lot of? A lot of money and a lot of their own appraisers and their insurance companies, right? So you're telling me that Zurich Insurance is a victim? Like they know what they're doing. They were insuring this. They kept him as a client for over a decade, right? And they knew, you know, the value of the courses or the value of who, you know, if somebody gets drunk on a golf course and gets injured, they're insuring it. Like, who cares? Like, they know the value of all this. And they were increasing his, his credit rating during all this time, right? Um, and, and like I said before, he has to have insurance. So they got him by the neck, right? So nobody is going to... Uh, be concerned about this. Zurich insisted as a condition to renewing the surety program that the indemnification be modified to address the potential difficulties Zurich might have in seeking to enforce the GIA against a sitting president. Oh, even when he ran for president, they, they asked for new terms, right? Because they were worried about, you know, some sort of uh, personal liability against him. Okay. All right. So I said earlier that the New York Attorney General's office is corrupt, all right? I, I take it back. 
they're very corrupt, okay? The only way out of this is if they could prove to me that they're just a bunch of idiots, all right? If they could prove to me they're a bunch of idiots, I'll let them off the hook. Otherwise, if they're smart, then they're corrupt. Do you see what I'm saying? Because this is like a crazy, crazy, crazy way of spending millions of dollars of taxpayers' money. And as hard as this is about to sound, it gets da -da 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 worse, okay? Here we go. This is how it gets worse. There's this accountant for the Trump uh, organization. His name is Alan Weisselberg, all right? So the attorney general's office, it was very clear during a lot of the investigation, is he was committing criminal tax fraud, all right? And the way he was committing this, uh, this accountant for Donald Trump, the way he was uh, committing Mr. Weisselberg, the way he was committing tax fraud was that he wasn't paying taxes on a lot of money he was getting, right? So a lot of compensation he was getting, he was hiding it and he was not reporting it to the tune of millions of dollars, all right? So this guy is stealing money from the state of New York, okay, uh, by, you know, not disclosing all this income, right? And he was getting, and it wasn't just, I mean, free room and board, cars, tuition for his kids, like like free apartments for kids and stuff. Like, come on, right? So he was getting all of this and he was not reporting that. Now, I would understand if it was like a McDonald's worker and like once a month they get a free burger. Okay, fine, all right, fine. You know, they don't report that free burger as income, fine. You know, whatever, it's, it's like, you know, a little McDonald's worker. Maybe they don't know. It's not like they're an accountant. Oh, what does Mr. Weisselberg do for a living? He's a freaking accountant. And, you know, he's for decades he's been an accountant. So he knows what he's doing, damn it. All right, so he stole from the state of New York. He underreported taxes uh, to the tune of millions of dollars, right? So what the state of New York's attorney general office did is they go after him, right? Now, they then let him off the hook so that he could help them with stuff like this, you know, with this other case. Like, this dude stole millions of dollars, right? And they let him off the hook. You know what happened to him? He stole millions of dollars He's going to end up spending three months in jail, okay? Three months only in jail for stealing millions of dollars. Now, what I always told people is go steal a T-shirt from Walmart. I'm not recommending you do this, okay? <laughs> if you were to steal a T-shirt from Walmart, you will probably get in more trouble than this dude got. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like a, a freaking $12 T-shirt, all right? So this is the state of New York, right? So they... They got a guy that stole millions of dollars. They let him off the hook, right, with uh, 100 days in jail so that, you know, they could kind of get his help here, okay, for this really freaking um, confusing and uh, unbelievable lawsuit here, okay? So let's see. This guy pleaded guilty, all right, to grand larceny, okay, criminal tax fraud, three counts of criminal tax fraud. Uh, a scheme to defraud the government, conspiracy against the government, meaning like he was uh, conspiring with the employer and these other people to hide money that, you know, for himself. And he was the accountant. So he was doing it across the board, right? Because it's not just him. Okay. Uh, okay. Ready? 
offering a false instrument for filing, meaning like certain documents he filed was completely false, and then da 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 falsifying business records. So he pleaded guilty to all of that, and he got less than a freaking hockey season in jail, right? Um, so why would the state attorney general's office allow that, right? It's because, like I said, it's corrupt. They're just interested in going after Donald Trump. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Donald Trump's a great guy. Or I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I don't even care. It doesn't, because I'm a lawyer, right? I'm just saying, like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up, right? Um, and here's more. It's like, you know what, state of New York, there was this kid, Caliph Browder. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. It was really sad. He was like a, a young black kid. And in the year, in 2010, okay, why didn't I have that? Oh, I think it was May. Okay, it doesn't matter. It, it, it was like May of 2010. Da, 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 da. Yeah, so he was arrested, all right? So he was arrested for stealing a backpack, all right? Um, and it was a flimsy case because this guy calls 911 and he said to 911, hey, these two black guys stole a backpack belonging to my brother. Um, and he, he, at one point he said it was tonight. And then at another point he said it was two weeks ago when they stole it. Right. And then the police take this guy on a little, little cruise around, uh, New York in the Bronx area. And then he, they see these two black guys, you know, one of them being this kid. And then the guy goes, yeah, that's them that stole the backpack. So they, they, they pull over, they, they, they ask this kid, right. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't steal none. <laughs> right. And uh, they didn't find the backpack. And allegedly the backpack had an iPad in it. Okay. And $700 in cash. Now, who the heck puts that much money in a freaking backpack, right? <laughs> you know? Um, so he has 700 bucks in cash, allegedly, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, those are the kids that stole the backpack. Okay, so that's in May 2010. I might be wrong on the month. It may have been April, whatever. It's 2010. So then they arrest this kid, right? And the evidence was so flimsy on this arrest. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So like I said, the guy didn't realize he said uh, it was 700 bucks. He said when he called 911, he he told conflicting stories about when the arrest uh, or when the alleged uh, robbery took place of his brother's backpack, of all things, not even his own backpack. Right. Um, all right. So now so he's arrested then in, in 2010. All right. His family could not afford a $3,000 bail, right? So because they couldn't afford a $3,000 bail, he had to sit in in, uh, in jail, like during, you know, until the trial happens. So they keep him in jail, all right? That's 2010. He did not get out of jail for three years, okay? The only reason he was in jail all that time is because he couldn't put, this, he couldn't put up this bond. And the case was so flimsy that the prosecutor told the judge on multiple occasions, uh, for example, in, in uh, June 29, 2012, the prosecutor told the judge, the people not ready request a one-week extension, okay? What that means is in, in 2012, two years after the arrest, they're telling the judge, we're not ready for the trial, all right, so they get an extension, and then they got another extension, another, and then in September 2012, the prosecutor asked for a longer extension, okay? 
Uh, and then in November 2012, they asked for another extension because they're not ready to try the case. So, no, nah, no big deal. We'll just have the trial later. Uh, in the meantime, the kid is is in custody, right? And at one point, you know, something happened at the jail. He got an altercation or something. He spent over one full year in solitary confinement, okay? Solitary confinement, stealing a backpack, okay? Uh, December 14, 2012, another extension. It got so bad that finally in, uh, in 2013, the judge was like, wait a minute, uh, there's no evidence. Why don't you just plead guilty? <laughs> the judge says to the kid, uh, she said to the kid, Patricia D. Mango, the kid said, no, I didn't steal the backpack, damn it. Um, and then eventually, then in the summer of 2013, they let this kid go because the there was no evidence. The prosecutor didn't even have the witness uh, anymore, the one witness, okay? And they had conflicting records, and they finally then dismissed the case. Now, what I want to know, this is what I want to know, state of New York, how did that kid spend three years in jail Okay, when Alan Weisselberg is going to get three months and when this dude stole millions of dollars and he didn't even steal the backpack. Uh, that story was really sad. That kid was really distraught after this. He ended up uh, hanging himself uh, like a year or two after he got out of jail. Um, anyway, so uh, how did that happen? Now, in addition, like this, so this Alan Weisselberg is only three months in jail. The other thing I want to know, I want the, I want the state of New York to answer this, if they will. Why are they spending millions of dollars on this lawsuit and they've never, like, there's nobody being prosecuted in that kid's case. Nobody's being prosecuted. It, it doesn't make sense, right? The, all those prosecutors that, like, kept asking for continuances, the judge that just kind of kept brushing it off, there's no, there's no, you know, freaking 220-page lawsuit over that. There's nothing on that. But there is about this Donald Trump potentially getting a lower interest rate from Deutsche Bank, a multi-billion dollar corporation because of some income tax statements, right? That, or, or I'm sorry, property appraisals, right? And, and uh, that nobody cares about. But so the state of New York is, is going through all of that. Um, either it's because it's Donald Trump, they just want to sound awesome by suing Donald Trump. I don't know. You know, uh, like I said, in my view, it's it's corrupt. The New York State General Attorney's Office is corrupt. If they don't get freaking booted, then, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's just, it's a nightmare. All right. As always, I love you folks. I love hearing from you. Please comment below. I love hearing from everyone. And as always, if you have your own questions, you can feel free to run it by my lawyer. Run it by my lawyer. You could call me, 619-672-1741. Email Joe Samo. Uh, I'm sorry, Joe at samolaw.com. All right, see you next week.